Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. And as we were looking at 2021, I said, hey, at, I, I'm going to do a series on abiding in Christ. I'm going to do a series out of John chapter 15. Don't know when, but it's going to be there. Well, today is the day, and I've been, I've literally just had this on my heart for so long. I'm so excited about sharing this with you, and it's going to be great. And there's going to be some, some things in this text as we look at John chapter 15, verse 1, really verse 1 through 8 today, there's going to be some things in this text that, that many people don't fully understand or many people have not studied or maybe some of you here in this room are like, ooh, I just don't really like those verses. And I'll point them out when we get there, although I think they'll be obvious. And, uh, and, and listen, I, I want to tell you something. Never be a, afraid of the Word of God. Like, just let the Word of God speak for itself study the word of God. It's going to make you a better Christian. You don't have to be, uh, let me say this. If you are in Christ, you, you don't have to be uh, worried about uh, things that concerning the end times, concerning about the return of Christ. If you are in Christ, listen, we have hope in Jesus Christ. He's going to take care of us. And he, he loves his children. He protects his children. And you just don't have anything to fear, okay? So just, just let, let's have fun today. And at the same point, we're, gonna, we're not a church that stays away from certain topics. Like nothing, no topic scares us. We, we, we dive in uh, and, and we uh, teach and preach the word of God because we hold to the word of God. And uh, I'll try to tell you this morning that there are some things that I don't understand. Some things are the, the opinions of others. Maybe your opinion is little. And I'll try to tell you the difference between the, the absolutes of Scripture and then the interpretations that we have in, of Scripture, the deductions that we have from Scripture. So let's go to John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. And Jesus is preparing his disciples actually for his departure. Okay, so he's, he's going to be departing them in the form of the, the cross, the resurrection, of course, eventually his ascension into heaven. And he's preparing them for the moment that he's not with, the, with them physically. He will be with them, but just not with them physically. In fact, the Bible says, he said, it's good for me to go, go away because I'm going to send actually somebody to you. It's the Holy Spirit. The comforter is going to be with you, and he's going, to, he's going to take it from there. He's going to live in you, and it's going to be wonderful. So John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And there's one of those verses that we'd say, ooh, that's not, that's not so encouraging. I don't like to hear, read about, you know, Jesus cutting people off. Well, let's just, just keep reading the text here. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. How many know that Jesus is talking about remaining? Do you see that in the text? Yes or no? Okay, this is how you shake your head. All right, let's do that. Okay, you see that in the text that Jesus is talking about remaining. We're going to read some more verses about remaining too. It's the... It's the the focal point of this text, 
Other translations would use the word abide or abiding, and I'll explain that to you in just a second. Then he says in verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. So he said, hey, listen, I'm the vine. My father, God, is the gardener. Now he's saying, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, there it is again. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now here comes a verse that we don't really like, except we love the word of God, and it teaches us. It's good for us. If you do not remain in me, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Oh, pastor, do we have to read that verse? I don't really like that verse. Well, let me explain it to you in a second. Let's finish. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, let's look at this in in broad form. So he's talking about abiding. That's the focal point of these verses about the vine. He's talking about remaining in him, abiding. Okay, so in the end of it, he says, listen, all these things that I'm telling you to do and that he's going to tell us as we continue the series over the next few weeks, he says, all of this is going to bring glory to my Father. Like everything that Jesus wants to accomplish in your life and in my life, I promise you will bring glory to the Father. Okay, let me ask you this. Are you living your life right now to glorify your heavenly father in all things at all times? When, when, when you make a decision as to, what you, as to what you watch on TV or at the movies, do you make that decision based upon what will glorify your, your heavenly father? When, when you talk to others, when you speak to others, have conversations at work or with family, are you thinking those thoughts, hey, listen, it's my role just to glorify God in all things at all times. It should be one of the, cent- the central themes of our lives as followers of Christ should be to, to glorify our Heavenly Father, to bring honor to his name, to represent him well, and to bear much fruit. And that's what this series is about. And before we talk about bearing a lot of fruit and what type of fruit and all of those things, there's a foundation that that we need to lay today, and that's what we're doing. So let's get back to those verses that talks about, hey, if you're not bearing fruit, then you're going to be cut off. That that actually, he says even more than that, he says such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And what's he talking about there? Now, I believe, and in fact, most theologians believe that obviously he's preparing his disciples for his departure, and he knows that there is a traitor in his midst. And the proof of that is that, remember, at the, at the, the Last Supper, he actually calls everybody out. He actually calls um, uh, the, that person out in a very unique way, and that person was Judas, right? He betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so Judas looked like he was connected to the vine, but actually he was a faker. It it, it looked like everything was fine in Judas' life, and yet, was he really connected to the vine? Would somebody who's really connected to the vine do what Judas did? And every theologian that I read said, no, a, a person who's connected 
to the vine would not do what Judas did. So if you have a great relationship with a parent or with your spouse or with your children, would you ever bring that person harm? If you were in unity with somebody, if you were united with somebody, let's say our spouses, if we're united with our spouses, the two become one, would we ever want harm to come to our spouse? And the obvious answer to that is no, because we're, we're united with them. We are connected to them. Okay. Let's go a little bit further. That, 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 let me say it this way, that people pass for branches. They, they may pass for branches, but that doesn't mean they're bearing fruit. They look like the branch. Sometimes they even talk like a branch, but they're not bearing fruit. Their life does not resemble what the vine is like. Like the character of the vine, Jesus, is not found in their life. We read in the Bible another passage of scripture, there's going to be this group of people that say, but Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things in your name? And Jesus says, you know, the father says, hey, depart from me. Actually, I never really knew you. You, you passed yourself off as a branch, but you weren't really a branch at all. You didn't resemble, you didn't have the character of the vine. You just pretended. You faked it. You faked it. And we're going to talk about that today. I, I read, this is Matthew Henry, one of the... One of the uh, uh, I hate to say the word greatest, but one of the most popular uh, commentators, um, just incredible, incredible theologian. He said this, and this is a quote. This is a quote here. Were they really united to Christ by faith? They would bear fruit. Like, were they really united to Christ by faith? They would bear fruit. They would resemble or produce the things that the vine is meant to produce. So, so let, let me say it another way. So to be in Christ means that you're bearing fruit and the evidence is there, but it's not just, oh, well, he did something good and, and, and oh, she did something wonderful here and look how they served here. Listen, there are people who are atheists that do good things. That doesn't mean they're bearing fruit for the glory of God. There are people that can't stand the thought of God that still do good things in the world. That doesn't mean that they're a Christian. And sometimes we, we get confused of what does bearing fruit really, really look like in a person's life. But to, to be this passionately devoted Christ follower, to be united with Christ, to be somebody who's been, been, who is a part of the vine, means that you're going to have this Christian character. In your life, it's going to be on display. You're going to have a, a Christian, let me say it this way you're going to have a, a Christian disposition. You're going to have Christian love. You're going to have Christian speech. You're going to have Christian uh, actions. You're going to have Christian responses. You're going to have Christian purity. You're going to have Christian conversations. Like your entire life is going to bear fruit and you're going to bring glory to God in everything. Now, at all times, well, not really, because we still sin every now and then, right? Like, we don't want to sin, 
but we're going to mess up. But by and large, I'm living my life to glorify God. And if you look deep in my life, you need to see Christian characteristics. You need to see love and purity and integrity. You need to see uh, someone who's servant-hearted, someone who's compassionate, somebody who's merciful, somebody who's gracious. See, there's some fakers out there. And, and I don't want New Song to ever be a church of fakers. I, I don't want us to try to, to just pass ourselves off as branches and not really be attached to the vine. But when we really are attached to the vine, we're going to produce things. We're going to bear fruit that glorify God, that doesn't glorify us, just glorifies our Heavenly Father. So when we look at these verses, and again, we're not scared of these verses, it, it teaches us how we should be living life, that we should really be connected to the vine. These verses don't scare us, but they do make us think. Well, what about that person that, that looks like a branch, but maybe they're not a branch? Like, what am I supposed to think about them? Like, are they going to make it to heaven? Look, can I tell you something? I don't know. How's that for an answer? And you don't know. And my job as a Christ follower is not to determine, not to determine whether or not a person is going to heaven. Because I'm not God. You should be so glad that Justin isn't God. And I'm so glad that you're not either. Because that would be scary, right? Like, aren't you, aren't you glad that you don't have to make that call? You don't, you don't have to know who's going to heaven and who isn't. That is God's job. And he is all knowing. And not only that, he's all just. And he knows the right decision. Because you and I, we would mess that up. But God, he doesn't. He knows. He knows. Well, well Pastor Justin, because here's another aspect of these verses. Well, Pastor Justin, uh, well, well, what do you think about eternal security? And, and what do you think about backsliding? Can somebody fall away from grace? And what do you think about Calvinism? And what do you think about predestination? And what do you think about Arminianism? Like, what do you think about all of those things? I have my thoughts on that, everybody. Let me say it this way. I have some opinions about that. I might even call them deductions. But at the heart of it, can I, can I tell you what's at the heart of it? Is that if you love Jesus with all of your heart, and you're committed to him, and you are united with the vine, you got nothing to worry about. Like you, you don't have to worry about eternal security. See, see my, my wife was raised fundamental Bible-believing Baptist, like authorized King James Version 1611 only. She wore culottes as a teenager, everybody. Her, 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 her mother thought that high tops were so ungodly that Jennifer bought a pair of high tops for basketball, and her mother cut off the tops of them so they wouldn't be actually high tops because those are too worldly. I'm grateful my mother-in-law and father-in-law are not like that today. They're awesome. They dropped legalism a long time ago, and I'm so proud of 
love them for that. But, but my wife was raised in that type of environment, and it was about, always about eternal security, eternal security, eternal security. On our very first date, my wife looked at me, and she said, okay, I've got, to, I've got something to say. Um, she said it just, I, she kind of stumbled over us. I, 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 I got something to say. Like before we go out on another date, you need to know something. She said it this way. She said, I believe in eternal security and I always will. Like, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> you know, I didn't know we we're getting married at this point. You know, like well, that's something to bring out. And I said, where do you stand on that? I said, I don't know. You know, what does the Bible say about falling away from grace? And what does the Bible say about apostasy and and, and that's a big study of everybody. That's a big study. And, and, and you know, in and, and the wisdom that God gave me at that moment, I said, here's what I firmly believe. If we just love Jesus with all of our hearts and we help other people love Jesus with all of our hearts, then we got nothing to worry about. It doesn't matter our view on that. It only matters God's view on that. And we just point people to Jesus and we just love Jesus and stay in communion with Jesus and we just persevere in the faith. And if you do that new song, I'm telling you, you don't have to have all of the answers for that. And I'm okay with that. And some, there might be some people here in this room that would consider themselves Calvinists, and I want you to know I love you. Like, like, like can I, let, let me say it like this. I, I might have some questions, but, but I want you to know if you love Jesus, then you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I got no problem with you. Just love Jesus. Keep loving Jesus and point other people to Jesus. And if you're like, well, I'm just not into Calvinism, you know, and can, can I tell you, that's okay too. Just love Jesus and point people to Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Like, let's not, let's not let those issues be divisive. The absolute is Jesus is the savior of the world. And every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Okay, that's the absolute. That's what we focus on. So, so we're not, so, so as churches get together and as, as I pray with other pastors in this town, we don't focus on our differences. We focus on the truth of who Jesus is, that he is savior. He is Lord. He is to be followed. He's to be trusted. He's to be loved. He's to be worshiped. And we might have some doctrinal differences, but we don't disagree on that. And we love each other and embrace each other and pray for each other's churches and each other's ministries because that's the way it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So I'm telling you, everybody, don't make those things an issue. If you have those questions, if you have those questions, well, I don't, I, like, okay, here's what not to do. Don't corner me after church and say, well, pastor, I want to know what you think about eternal security. Can I tell you something? Study that for yourself. St study it for yourself first. And then if you want to have a talk, yeah, well, come on and have a talk. But can I tell you something that if, if that's what you leave with today, well, I need to know where he stands. Then you didn't get the point of what I've been saying. That the point of what I've been saying is not my belief. The point of what I'm saying is, is Jesus should be the focal point. And if you're passionately devoted follower of Christ, if that's who you are, you have hope like nobody else in the entire world except those who have been saved by, by grace through faith. And we all have the same, we are attached to the same living hope. His name is Jesus Christ. Ooh, that is good stuff right there, I'll tell you. I'm having fun, everybody. So can I tell you the two, these two important, so, so, so when you're looking at scripture like this, and you're like, hey, I'm a little nervous about that. I don't really like that. I don't, can I tell you, you're not responsible for everybody else. You're responsible for you. That I'm responsible for me, so I'm going to live my life connected to the vine. And I'm going to tell everybody else I can, hey, you need to be connected to the vine. 
but I'm not responsible for their journey in Christ other than pointing them to Jesus and encouraging them, but I can't make that decision for them, and neither can you. You see what I'm saying? We can't make that. That's their choice to make. We just point people to Jesus, and that should be a reminder. That should be a reminder about the importance of knowing and loving Jesus. So the two, the two important elements of Christianity that we're going to talk about today. The, the first one, and this is all based upon John 15. The first one is union with God. Write that down. And it is the most important element of Christianity is your union with God through Christ. And it is received, this union, it, we would call it salvation, obviously. It is received by faith. And it literally changes our legal status. In fact, we read that just this morning in Colossians chapter 2 during the uh, communion. We read about our legal status being changed. Then I have some other verses that I want to teach you this morning. This is Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 is where we're going to start. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost for the... Uh, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now pay attention. Here's some legal status here. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. When you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, your legal status changed you were in darkness but now you are in the light you've now been adopted the bible says into the family of god you are a child of god god's seal of approval has been placed upon you you are now his child so this righteousness that you gained it was actually imputed to you. It was given to you, not of your works, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. So instead of the judge finding you guilty, he actually placed all of our sins, all of our rebellion on his son, Jesus. And Jesus paid the penalty of our sins, not his sins. He was sinless. So he paid the penalty of our sins. And it was the justice of God in that moment. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Let, let me read you this a little bit more. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. The righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and all are justified. That's a legal term. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand and punished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God, God's character, his, per, his perfection demands justice. 
So to be just, Christ comes in and takes our place. And then we're free from the penalty of our sins. But somebody had to pay the price. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and did for me. And he says, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So you have been justified. You've been justified. The, the, the way that we used to say it all the time and still use commonly today, justified, just as if you had never sinned. Isn't that amazing? That we, ha- we are now, the, we, we have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's been given to us. We didn't, we didn't earn it. We did not achieve it. We just simply received it when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in him. Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like everything is okay now. Everything's okay. And it's not based upon your works. It's based upon your faith. It's based upon your believing. If you are a Christ follower, can I tell you something? Everything's okay. And everything will be okay. Because you're a child of God. Well, 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 sometimes I don't act like it though, pastor. And sometimes I don't either. But, but sometimes I... Sometimes I don't act like it. And the very fact that you say that is proof that it bothers you, that sin is in your life, proving that Jesus has come in and he saved you and the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you, telling you, whispering to you, hey, it's not okay to live like that. That leads to bondage. You're meant to be free in Christ Jesus, so live in freedom. The very fact that you're bothered by sin in your life is proof that the Holy Spirit is working in you making you more like Jesus. So we have hope. We we have joy in Christ. See, I I can't make myself righteous. I don't have the power to do that. You can't make yourself righteous. You don't have the power to do that. We were made righteous through Christ, and now we have union with God. We are now connected to the vine. We're not passing off, passing ourselves off as branches. We really are branches that are connected to the vine. And he says, listen, remain in me, abide there, continue in that, in that connection. Well, what happens when people don't continue in that? Well, just don't. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't go down that road. You see what I'm saying? Well, what happens when people do? That's between them and God. I'm not God. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me say it this way. Don't take the chance. And everybody else says, well, I'm going to do this. God's still, in fact, I've, I've read so many stories about this, people's testimonies about this. I've talked to so many people about this too, like that, well, they, they say, oh, I prayed that prayer one time, now I can live however I want to, because I'm, you know, I'm saved, I prayed the prayer. I'm like, no, actually, you didn't mean the prayer that you prayed, because if you really meant the prayer that you prayed, you would have been changed, you would have been made new, and the stuff that you're involved in now would bother you. You see what I'm saying? If you were really connected to the vine, you're going to continue being changed by the vine. You're going to resemble 
the character and the nature of the vine. Oh, this is good stuff. Second thing, you, you got union with God, which is salvation. And now you have communion with God, which is relationship. And it's all a part of abiding, remaining in the vine. Your communion with God, this ongoing communion with God, this relationship, it produces fruit, life-giving, life-changing results in us and in others. It's going to produce fruit. Communion can also be called, write this down, fellowship. It can also be called fellowship. Fellowship with Christ, continued fellowship with Christ. That's what we're talking about, union and communion, salvation and relationship. Let me, let me show you this in scripture. In fact, I'm going to answer a question this morning because we're kind of going just a little bit deeper than, 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 than uh, a lot of other Sundays just because, again, this is just on my heart. I think it's a word for us in this year, this moment, that uh, I'm Trinitarian, and that means I believe in the Trinity. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And, 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 and I have many reasons for that belief, and here is just one example of why I believe in a triune God, in, in one God, three persons. Everybody with me so far? And, and here's some verses about that. And this is all about, notice this, this is all about communion with God or fellowship with God. Ready? First John 1, 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father, and with his son, Jesus Christ. We're to be in fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. How many agree you need to be in fellowship with God the Father and fellowship with God the Son? You see that in Scripture? Now watch this. We're not done yet. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now do you see that we are to be in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Do you see that? Yes or no? Okay, remember, use your heads. You can use your words. It's okay. We're to be in fellowship with all three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're meant to be in fellowship with all three. And, and, and you, might, you might say this, you might say, well, I thought all the three are one. So if I'm fe in fellowship with God, I'm obviously in fellowship with the Son and fellowship with the Spirit too. Absolutely. You're exactly right. This is the mystery, though, of the Trinity. This is the, this is the stuff that we're not going to fully know until we're actually face-to-face -face with our Heavenly Father and all those mysteries, all these mysteries are going to be revealed to us. But, but what I know this about God is one, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father has a different role than God the Son, and God the Son had a different role than, than God the Holy Spirit. Like the, God the Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross. That was God the Son that died on the cross. Everybody see what I'm saying? So, so they all have different roles, different, I, and, and I'm really careful to say that, but that's why Jesus said, hey, hey, listen, when you pray, he told his disciples, when you pray, pray it this way, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed, blessed be your name. So we're to pray to our heavenly Father, and we're to pray through or using, or in the name of 
Jesus, his son. And at the same point, Paul writes to to the church in Corinth and he said, hey, listen, there are these spiritual gifts and you need to eagerly seek them and pursue them. Like you're, you're meant to pursue the things of the Holy Spirit. You're meant to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, fellowship with, his, with, with God the Son, and fellowship with God the Father. You see that? Because the Holy Spirit is going to do some things in your life. That's why they're called the gifts of the Spirit. They're not called gifts of the Son. It's not called fruit of the Spirit or fruit of the Son. It's called fruit of the Spirit. Everybody see what I'm saying? So we need to be in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We need to be in communion. You say, well, how how am I in communion? Well, I'm going to teach that to you over the next couple of weeks. But one of the ways that you're in communion with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is is prayer, praying, worshiping, seeking, pursuing, asking for the gifts of the Spirit, asking for the fruit of the Spirit. There are lots of times where where we will sing those songs, you know, Um, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. What are you doing? You're honoring the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. You're you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. You're inviting. If you're in your prayer time, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, I I want the gifts that you have for me. I want the, the fruit that you offer in my life. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, take over. You know, those are proper. Those are okay. And, and, and can I tell you something too? If you get the verbiage wrong sometimes, can I, can I tell you something? That God is not concerned with your verbiage. He's concerned with your heart. So don't worry about your verbiage. So, so we used to sing the song. I used to love it. You know, God, listen to my heart because my words get all me- messed up sometimes. Sometimes I just run out of words to say, but listen to my heart. Listen to my heart. And my heart longs to, to know you and be known by you. My heart longs to be with you. My heart longs to be connected with you. God honors that. So to remain, to abide, what's that really mean as we get to the heart of this, this foundation that we're laying, to remain, to abide, write these things down. It means to stay, or you could even use the word loiter. Isn't that cool? It's the Greek word minnow. It means to, to, to stay, to continue, to 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 remain, to, to, to loiter, to hang out. When was the last time you ever just hung out with God? Like you're just hanging out with God. Like sometimes I'm in my, my, my prayer time with God and I'll be here in the sanctuary, maybe or at home in my bedroom, or sometimes I go to the, the mother's room back here during the middle of the week when nobody's around, I'll go in there because it's a very quiet place. Then I can pray. And sometimes I'm just, I, you know, I'll just start by worshiping the Lord and honoring him and Praying, of course, for my wife and for my children and for my family members and for all of you and for this community. And then you ever get to a point where you're like, you want to pray, but you just don't know what to say. Have you ever been there before? Come on, let's be honest. Have you been there? Like you want to pray and you just know, there's just no words. Can I tell you, that's a great time just to hang out with God. Like, God, I'm just going to abide with you for a little while. I'm just going to remain in you for a little while, not only for the rest of my life, but even in this moment, I'm just going to continue in you. And, and let's just hang out together. I'm just going to loiter with you, God. Just going to hang out. And then just listen to him. Just, you know, if you want to bless him some more, some worship him, that's fine. I, I mean, just hanging out. Hanging out with Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And, and what that implies, this remaining, this, imbi- this abiding, this loitering, this hanging out with Jesus, it implies connection. Connection, write that out. It, it implies connection. 
And, and that's, this, is, this is mutual connection, mutual connection. I'm going to show you this to, to you in verse 4. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Like Jesus is saying, hey, listen, when you connect with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect with you. When you want to spend time with me, I'm going to spend time with you. When you want to be in my presence, listen, listen, you and I, we're going we're gonna to be together. Like I'm, I'm, I am, it's, it's Jesus' way of saying, listen, I am committed to you. And when we come to him and say, Jesus, I'm committed to you, he says, oh, that's awesome because I'm committed to you too. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible to know that Jesus is committed to you? He's committed to you. He's connecting with you as we remain in him, as we abide in him, as we hang out with him, as we continue in him, as we connect with him. I'm telling you, it's an incredible thing. It's mutual, but it also implies dependence. And this is not mutual. Dependence. When we abide in Christ, continue in Christ, remain in Christ. I want to look at verse five. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, that's mutual. You will bear much fruit. Watch this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, by the way, hey, there's going to be this connection. You stay with me. I'm going to stay with you. You're committing your life to me. I'm, I'm committed to you. But there's going to be some days when you don't know what to do. There's going to be some days that you have questions. And if you're apart from me, if you don't have a part with me, if you detach yourself, if you were never attached, listen, you're just not going to bear fruit. But if you remain in me, if you abide in me, then there's going to be some dependence upon your part. You're going to have to depend upon me so that fruit can come out of your life. Listen, let me say it like this way. When you're a, the, the Bible says that, that you are a branch. He says, I'm the vine, you are the, the branches. And the only way that you bear fruit is by being connected to the vine. And the nature of the vine takes over your branch and bears fruit. Let me say it this way. You don't have the ability to bear fruit without Christ. The, the fruit comes from the root. So, so if you're out there trying to bear fruit on your own without Christ, without being attached to the vine, you're just a poser. You're just a faker. You're really not a part of the vine. And I discovered a long time ago, I don't have the ability to bear fruit without Christ. Like what I've done for Christ, it's, it's been Christ in me. It's been the nature of God in me, what I've done for him. I wish I could preach that to you. Listen, depend upon him. Depend upon him. When you don't know what to do, depend upon him. When you don't know how to answer someone, depend upon him. Rely upon him. The Bible says he'll be there. He'll teach you. He'll give you the words. He'll give you the direction. That's why it says, listen, we don't lean on our own understanding, but we acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he makes our path straight. He makes it obvious for us. As we depend upon him, as we depend upon him, to remain, to abide, it implies, number three, perseverance. And that's necessary. Remember what verse six says. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and they're burned. Can I tell you something? 
we have to have a heart of perseverance. And I came to this conclusion a long time ago in my life that no matter what I face in life, that I'm not going back. I'm not going to live life without Jesus. That no matter what happens in my life, I'm all in. I'm not going back. It's that song that we used to sing a long time ago. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm all in. And I'm committed to him. That I'm going to abide, remain in him. I'm going to be connected to the vine. And the vine is going to change me. And he's going to use me to bless others, to benefit others. I'm going to bear fruit all for the glory of my father in heaven. I'm going to bear fruit. I love what J.C. Ryle says, and I put this in your notes because it was just too good not to. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant, close communion with him. To be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him, using him as a fountain of life and strength as our chief companion and our best friend. That's what it means to remain, to abide. We've chosen Christ, and now we stay in Christ. And not only that, we grow in Christ. And we allow him to do in us and through us whatever he wants for the glory of our Father in heaven. Persevere in Christ. I'm going to talk something very, you can put your sermon notes away, and I'm going to speak very uh, uh, freely, very openly to you. I, I always do. And today's one of those days I'm going to do it again. All right. And, um, you know, pastors all across America, uh, um, we, we've had this sense uh, for a long time, um, just about our church families, about, about, about the health, the spiritual health of those in our, in our, in our families, our church families, our, this body of believers. And, and every other, and I've been, I've been talking and thinking and praying about this for, for weeks, actually, weeks. And really, by the way, I'm not resigning if that's what you're looking at, okay? I, some of you are scared. Relax. You need to chill, all right? So I'm just letting you know. It's like, you're like, oh, what's he going to say? Nothing. This is only encouraging. It's only good. You know, for about a year ago now, we had to shut down church for, for a couple of months as we got our our minds around COVID and, and, and then of course church reopened and, and, um, and it's been a rough year for everybody, not just for pastors, but for everybody. And, and I really, really prayed about how to, to address something that's happening, not only, not only in this church, but in the church across America, really the church across the world, around the world. And then I heard a lot of pastors, very healthy pastors with very healthy churches. As I listened to a lot of sermons and preachers and stuff like that, I was surprised at how many of them were, were making the same comments that I'm about to make. And I think it kind of just gave me permission to do so or maybe just helped me feel more secure about doing so. And I want to say, I, I want to say something to you very clearly there. And this is for everybody in this room, everybody listening at home, watching at home, or wherever you are, 
I understand COVID is real. I, I get that. Uh, and I get that people are high risk. I get that. And if, if you're high risk, if you're at risk, if, if you're dealing with cancer or you have, if you're, you're a diabetic or uh, you just have some other sicknesses in your life and you're saying, you know what, it's just better for me not to be around people. Can I tell you, don't be around people then. Like, by all means, like, make sure you stay safe. And that's, that's love that says that, right? But, but here's, here's what we're seeing in America. What happened, you know, COVID, we shut down the churches and then it was limited for a long time. And some churches just shut down for a longer time than, than we had to. And, and, and over the course of time, people were just playing it safe. And now there's this thing in our nation that, that believers, these followers of Christ, They'll go, they'll go anywhere and hang out with anybody and they'll go to, to you know, with or without masks and, and they're living their life as normal, but the one thing that they haven't got, the, the one thing that they haven't come back to is their church family. And, and it's just, they got used to, and I'm just gonna say it out loud, this is just one of the things, they just got used to sleeping in on Sunday mornings and they're still sleeping in on Sunday mornings. And if, if you've struggled with that, especially if you're, watching online, listening at home, can I tell you something? You need to be connected to the family of God. Now, if, you, if you're high risk, stay home. I have no problem with that. If, you're, if you need to play it safe, I have no problem with that. But if, you, if you've come to this place where you said, you know what, it's not that. I'm not concerned about COVID anymore. I, I'm just out of the habit now of being with church, being with my church family, of listening to the word of God. Can I, can I tell you, for, if those of you at home, you need to pray about that, think about that. And for those of you here in this room, if you know of people that are like that, and and it's it has, and their their lack of connection with the church body is not based upon COVID, it's just based upon lukewarmness or some some lack of connection with God and with others. Can I tell you it's okay to challenge them in that? Just do it in a very loving way. And I'm not talking about just members of this church. Maybe you have family members that, that live in Ohio and you just know that they just haven't made it back to church because they just don't want to. They just got out of the habit and they're choosing to sleep in. Can I tell you, talk to your family members and say, hey, listen, it's pretty important that you plug back in to, to church because what Satan wants to do, he wants to disconnect the body of Christ. He wants to destroy the family of God. And I, I get the difference. I understand the difference. And that's why we offered the first service, which is strictly masks are mandatory. You wouldn't believe how many people come to the first service. It just happened today multiple times. People come up to me this morning at the first service at Pastor, we can't tell you thanks enough for requiring masks at the first service because now we can come to church. We have missed our church family so much. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for keeping us safe. And I'm so glad about that. Our first, our first service is, is very full. There's, I, I mean, it's just, it's one. And I, I applauded, of course, the first service. So I said, hey, well done. You guys are doing it. You're, so many people are appreciative. And, 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 and I know that there's so many different viewpoints about COVID and about masks, but this talk isn't about that. This talk is about, do you know somebody who's actually just, who's walking away from the family of God and their connection with God? And, and let's talk to them in love and let's encourage them and let's make sure we stay connected to them. And, and if, if, if you're at risk and you're staying home because it's just safer for you, can I tell you, I'm not only proud of you, but I want you to know I'm here for you and I still want to stay connected to you. So call us and email us and, 
message us on Facebook. Just let us know that you're there, that, that, that you're still part of the family. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to support you, obviously. You guys see the heart of a pastor? I, I, just, I, just want, I just want all of us to abide, to remain in the vine and not be disconnected from all the benefits of being a part of the vine. And one of the benefits is an incredibly healthy, loving church family. And we need each other, don't we? Like never before. That's just my word of encouragement. Just like other pastors, I just live for your good. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to show the love of God. I'm trying to tell you the importance of one another, that we need each other. I love you guys. I'm giving my life for you guys. I, you're the best. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is where you're supposed to be. And let's live life together. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible group, believers, this family. Thank you. And we are connected to the vine. We're connected to our Savior, Jesus. Thank you. That we have union with God and we have communion with God through Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing us to the cross of Christ to salvation. We want more of you, Holy Spirit. We want every fruit that you have for us. We want every gift that you have for us. We want you like never before. And give us hearts that connect with you like never before, Father. Give us hearts of dependence that we trust in you like never before. Give us hearts of perseverance. That we would always put our love for you first before anything or anyone else. That we would love you first, Father. And we would stay in love with you all of our days. And I thank you for doing it. Thank you for your presence here in this room right now. Thank you for this incredible church family. God, as we celebrate you, we're also celebrating the gift of one another, the gift of relationships and friendships and family right here in this room. We honor you and we bless you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.